0: Turn to Romans chapter 8. Back to work in our study of this great chapter in God's word. Romans chapter 8. I will start reading in verse 12 and read through verse 28. So follow as I read. Romans 8:12 through 28. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, we'll stop there. Through 28. Amen. All right. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about one of the amazing promises for believers here in this chapter, which is in verse one. There is no more condemnation, no more punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, because it was all poured out on Jesus, and we are in Him. And we talked last week about how all Christians have the Holy Spirit, how He empowers us to new life, to fight sin. Uh, And to walk in God's ways, not in our sinful ways. To walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. That's what Paul would call being led by the Spirit. And in verse 14 he says, those who are led by the Spirit are uh, sons of God or daughters of God. And then notice in verse 15, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of adoption. So, when God gives the Spirit... To the Christian, which he does for all of us right when we first believe, that is our guarantee that we are in his family, sons and daughters adopted into the family of God. So it's just like when Emily was adopted into the Granger family almost two years ago, Uh, when Tal was adopted into the Contreras family just a few months ago, when Anne was adopted into her family. Uh... 20 years ago. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Emily was not a Granger, and then she was and is Ben and Tricia's daughter. Tao was not a Contreras. He was an orphan in China. He did not have a family. But then he became part of the Contreras family, and he is loved as a part of the family. He's one of the four Contreras children. And that means that they are heirs to the family inheritance Emily to the Grangers, Tao to the Contreras, so on so forth. Just like the other kids are. And so it is for us in the family of God. As it says in verses 16 and 17, those who are God's children are heirs with Christ to the family inheritance. That's really mind-blowing when you consider some of what the Scripture says Jesus has inherited. He's inherited the nations Makes sense how Jesus could say in Matthew chapter 5 the meek shall inherit the earth. He's been given all things. So you move down into verse 32, Paul says, "How is God who gave us his own son, gave his own son for us, not also going to give us all things?" Heirs with Christ to the family inheritance, all things. Really some amazing statements here. One thing that we need to think about here when we think about our adoption is the fact that God is not going to give us back. Even a good adoptive parent, they adopt for keeps. They don't give their children back. They're their children. How much more? The God of all faithfulness. In an adoptive family, the child takes the family name. He becomes their own. He becomes an heir to the inheritance, just as if he were born into the family. You need to know if you're in Christ, God is not going to give you back. He adopted you, you are in His family. You are a co heir with Jesus to the family inheritance, which means just as much as it's His, it's yours. And the Holy Spirit is given to the children of God as our down payment from God. As a guarantee that we are His. And one of the things that means is that we can know that we are His. Ultimately, it means He's not going to give us back. But we can also subjectively know, I'm one of them. doesn't mean we always have full confidence, but we can know. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He he gives us this inner clarity and this inner peace that I I believe this. I I trust in Christ and I am God's child and He's not going to give me back. So, if you don't know if you're God's child, again... Assurance um, is one of those things that, that kind of waxes and wanes throughout our life. There will be seasons in our life where we know more clearly than at other times. Um, we doubt, okay? And that does not mean that we are not the real thing. Uh, I would say some of that struggle actually suggests that we are, that we are concerned to, to fight and, and cling to the Lord and understand and and um that that's a good sign, but uh, we can know if you don't know, even if you 've been in church your whole life, you can know, and if I were you, i wouldn't sleep until you do uh, Throw rocks at the sky if that's what it takes you know I got that from a guy named paul washer he's a uh, evangelistic pastor missionary guy, and he uh his conversion story is. He was under great conviction of sin. Uh, He wasn't sure that he was saved. And he was in a field in Texas somewhere and he was throwing rocks at the sky until God answered him. Uh, So, I mean, it, it wasn't the rocks that did it, but he was crying out to God. And if you don't know, that's a good suggestion, to cry out to God until He grants that peace so that you know. If you don't know if you belong to the Lord and you don't care... You're in great danger. And uh, may God pour out His grace to make you fear Him and in His time, by your grace, relieve your fears. So, the Spirit is given to every Christian. He leads and empowers us in the fight against sin. He also is the Spirit of adoption, the guarantee of our inheritance in God's family. Back to verse 15. He is the Spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So this is a very endearing term, Abba, Daddy. Uh, it's two different languages, Abba, Father, is essentially saying the same thing. But uh, we're, the Spirit teaches us to talk to God like a child talking to his dad. And it's really hard for us to understand uh, how controversial this would have been at the time. You know, no Jew in their piety would have ever thought they could talk to God this way. It seems irreverent. Uh, unholy, disrespectful. But Jesus taught us to pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven and the Spirit, comes to live inside us, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we're saying this is very much God's intention for us. In Christ, we have a loving, personal relationship With the God of the universe, we have become sons and daughters of the one true God. He is our Father. He loves us. He has adopted us into His family. He's not going to give us back. But notice it says, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, with this, there's certainly the security and comfort, like with my children when they call me Daddy. But there are also times when my children call my name in fear and agony. Like when they have a bad dream or something like that. Or they get hurt. And so it is for us. The Spirit inside of us leads us into the comfort and security that we are in God's family. That He is our Father. But He also leads us to cry out to God in our fear and our pain. Fears and pain we will most certainly have. But God is our Father. He cares about us. He cares about our pain. Uh, When my son gets hurt, even if he hurts himself, what do I do? Told you so, stupid! (laughs) Of course not. And I'm a sinner. How much more does our Father in Heaven care for us? Even when we hurt ourselves. Because of our sin or because of whatever we've done. Jesus said it this way, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? The Father wants us to call out to Him in our fear, and our pain. And next, note that... um, Not only does God move us to call out to Him amidst our trials, but He also calls us to persevere in trusting Him through our trials. Whether that's fear or pain or whatever it is. Look at verse 17. We have these amazing promises throughout this passage. This amazing inheritance in heaven. We are sons and daughters of God in Christ. We're co-heirs with Jesus. We're promised the family inheritance provided that we suffer with Him in order that we also will be glorified with Him. So there's a very real sense for those who are in Christ that this is our reality right now. We are God's children. We are co-heirs with Christ. But we also have to persevere to the end. It's all a gift of grace. It's nothing we could ever earn from God. But the fullness of our inheritance is being kept for us in heaven and we have to go on trusting the Lord until we get there. We're being called here in this passage to live with a focus on the incredible eternity that God has prepared for His people with an embrace of suffering on the path to glory. God is doing something very good. He's saving the world from sin. And yet, as His salvation gets worked out, it can feel like things are upside down or inside out. In fact, things are getting turned right side up and right side in. But we're starting inside out and upside down, so it hurts. And it can be very disorienting for us. When the doctors set a broken bone, it feels horrible, but it's actually very good. If the bone doesn't get set, that's when the real horrible sets in. So earlier I mentioned little Tao, and Bess, his mom, told me that for the first little while, after they got him home from China, he would let out these screams in the middle of the night. Uh, Screams like she has never heard from any of her other children. Emotional though they are, uh, they've never screamed like this. Deep, guttural, primal screams crying out for those who used to care for him in China. Now, the reality is he is in a much better situation than he ever was there, right? I mean, thankfully, the people in the orphanage there loved him very well. But he's been given the gift of a healthy Christian family. It's night and day. It does not compare. Yet, it has been very unsettling for him. This transition into this great gift, like his world, was turned upside down. In reality, it was upside down before, and it's being turned right side up. But it feels upside down for him. Same for us. Our world has been turned upside down in sin. God is turning it right side up in Christ. Not just in this life, but ultimately for eternity. But a lot of this life can feel like the bone getting set. We have to remember that God is doing something very good, ultimately. And, and He's given us the Holy Spirit To assure us that we are sons and daughters of His in Christ. And to lead us to cry out to Him as the bone gets set. Our Father cares for us. He cares about our fears. He cares about our pain. He wants us, He, He indwells us to lead us to cry out to Him. And again, amidst our fears, amidst our sin, amidst our pain, we need to remember the call to fight by faith to the end, to persevere, not to give up. We need to remember that God is doing something very good. He's recreating His people in Christ. And the text says that we're just the first fruits. Verse 19 and following says, God is going to recreate the entire creation. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. We know that. But we're just the first fruits of the harvest. All of creation awaits Not only the revealing of God's children in our glorified state with our new bodies when we've passed through the grave to resurrection life just like Christ, but also all of creation awaits its own release from bondage in sin to its glorified, restored state. The whole creation, the text says, groans now as in childbirth. And let me tell you, though, I've never had a child praise Jesus. I stood next to my wife as she has given birth to all three of ours. Uh, There is nothing like it. It is the most agonizing process for a woman, to a much, much smaller degree, for the husband as he watches his wife writhe in pain. And yet, the release and the joy and the glory when the child comes out. It's hard to describe. In the same way, all of creation right now is in labor. What's the worst part? Like eight? Eight centimeters? That's about where we are. That's what it feels like. All of creation is in labor pains, but the glory is coming. We can't imagine how glorious it will be. We know as verse 18 says the sufferings of this present time they don't compare with the glory that will be revealed. Like when a woman woman has a child, the glory of the child far outweighs the trial of childbirth or the trial of the adoption process. But for now, we just know that we have to persevere to get to the glory. Look at verse 23. We groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption as sons and daughters. Now, in a very important sense, our adoption is already final. Verse 24, in this hope we were saved. That's past tense. It's a done deal. We're going to see even more next week how much of a done deal. God saved us. He is going to get us home. That said, we aren't home yet. Right? Right? So back to Tao. The adoption was final before his family went and got him from China. He was officially their son for a period of time before he got home to be with them. And so it is for us. Officially. It's already official. We have a rock solid hope that we are God's children. He's not going to give us back. But... As the text says in verse 24 and 25, it's a hope that we do not see. We live by faith, not by sight. Now faith is not some blind, wishful thinking. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things that we don't see. We know this deep in our bones, but we don't see it. We are in God's family already right now, but there is a period of time where we are still here He is still there. We're not yet home. We often live like we are home. This is not our home. We often fall into the trap of seeking our treasure here. Our treasure is in heaven. It's an inheritance that's undefiled. It's unfading. It's being kept in heaven for us. Our home is with Christ. Our home is in the new heavens, in the new earth. And while much of this life can be good and should be received as a gift and celebrated and, and thanksgiving and praise be given to God, while we can do significant work here for the advance of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we still have to hold it all in an open hand, remembering we're in labor. The best is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee that we're going to get there. He is our helper. He is our strength to get us home, but we're not home. Our call until we get home is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Give yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord Jesus and His mission in your home, in this church, in this city, beyond this city, across the world. And persevere through trial to the end. Living with a focus on our eternal security in the family of God, all the while embracing suffering as central on the path to glory. And look, I don't mean to make light of suffering. Uh, Life can be very hard. Some of you have experienced great suffering in your life, whether that's a loss of a loved one, uh, sickness, whether mental or emotional or physical, Chronic pain, family members that are sick, broken relationships, loneliness and heartache, suffering through temptation or giving in to temptation, or just the constant angst of trying to grind it out and not feeling like you're getting very far. Life can be very hard. No one likes to suffer. Uh, I've talked... Before about how I had severe anxiety and depression in college, uh, panic attacks almost daily for three years. It's a big part of how God humbled me into repentance and faith in Christ. Uh, I don't ever want to go through that again, but sometimes it shows its teeth. And uh, even in the last few months, the panic attacks have come back with a vengeance. Uh, learn a lot about that. Basically, what happens is stress builds in your body over a long period of time, and then it explodes and Does some things uh, chemically, and uh, you just you know adrenaline and stress. You reach capacity, and your body has this fight or flight response, and it's it's ready to get out. Um, It's very humbling. No one likes to suffer. We certainly don't celebrate suffering. Grief is the right response in our suffering, but we should also turn to the Lord in our suffering and grief and groan and cry out to Him, Abba, Daddy, Father. And remember, as it says in verses 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, He helps us in our weakness. Sometimes we're so burdened, we can't even process it. We don't even know how to begin to think about it. We, don't, we couldn't begin to articulate the half of it. But the Spirit knows our burdens better than we do. He lives inside of us. He is God. And He takes those burdens, He discerns them in our heart, and He takes those burdens interceding for us, it says in the text, according to the will of God. And our Father loves us and cares for us. So here we are, we're trying to pray through this devastating period of time on this prayer sheet. And I don't know what to say, you know. (laughs) I think God, I know, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He sees our burdens on our hearts that we can't quite articulate in a prayer request. He knows how to discern that and take that and intercede according to the will of God for these people. For us, even the unspoken prayer requests. We don't understand why all these things happen. But we do have an amazing promise in this passage that though we may not understand why, we do know something of what God is doing with all of them. One of our favorite promises is in verse 28. God is in control of all things, and verse 28 tells us, God works all things together for the good of of those that love Him, and who are called according to His purpose in Christ. So, do you love the Lord? Are you one of His people? All things work together for your good. Because God, who loves you, you're His child, He works them for your good. That doesn't mean we understand how. He works them for our good. That doesn't mean we know why everything happens. That doesn't mean that the bad things are good things. They're not. They're bad things. Suffering, death, these are always enemies. We don't ever want to glorify them. But God works all things, even the worst things in our lives, for the ultimate good of those that love Him. The greatest example, as I've said in here before, is is Jesus' death on the cross. On the one hand, the death of Jesus Christ is the worst thing that has ever happened in human history. It was the murder of God at the hands of sinful men. Yet, on the other hand, according to the sovereign will of God, in the hands of God, the death of Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that has ever happened in human history. The very thing that God used to accomplish the salvation of the world. So it is with suffering. On the one hand, it's bad. It's terrible. And we need to talk about that hand. We need to give that its due. Something deep inside of us knows this is not the way it was supposed to be. Something is broken. Something is wrong. But on the other hand, in the hands of God, even our suffering is a grace. God uses it to draw us to Him. He uses it to strengthen our faith, to make sure that we will get there through the childbirth to the glory. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Listen to the old Puritan Thomas Watson. I came across this this week his little book, All Things for Good. This was written uh, 350 years ago, and it's extremely relevant for us. He says, this expression, work together, it refers to medicine. Several poisonous ingredients put together, being tempered by the skill of the apothecary. Uh, Some of you smart science people are going to have to help me. I think that's the person that makes the medicine. So... It's got all this poisonous stuff mixing together to make a sovereign medicine and work together for the good of the patient. So, all God's providences, being divinely tempered and sanctified, work together for the best to the saints. He who loves God and is called according to His purpose may rest assured that everything in the world shall be for His good. That, friends, is good news. God is the master medicine maker. He knows how to temper exactly, to produce just the right medicine, even with poisons that in and of themselves would destroy us. But He mixes them together to work out His blessing for us eternally. I'll close with this. I heard an illustration recently. Uh, In fact, it was yesterday, and I thought it was just good to throw in here. You know, the top of the mountain, the, the peak is bald. Nothing up there. The valleys are lush with growth. We all know that it's true, that some of our greatest growth comes through trial, not through prosperity and comfort at the peak, but in the valley. We know that prayerful dependence on God is the place of health in the Christian life. But we might not stay in that posture of prayer and dependence if it weren't for our trials and suffering. Prayerful dependence on God is the only way to make it home to be with Him. In our sin, in the flesh, We still seek to be independent of the Lord. So our suffering actually serves as a grace to lead us back to prayerful dependence on Him. Suffering has a way of simplifying our lives. It has a way of drowning out all of the chaos and making it much more simple. We need Him. We cannot do what God has called us to do in our own strength. He always gives us more than we can handle in our own strength but He has not left us to our own strength. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the resurrection inside of us. Suffering is a key part to the path to glory. Jesus walked it before us in His life, His death, where He was slaughtered to slaughter sin, and then He rose from the grave to conquer death so that we can now look with great hopefulness, no matter what, even if my life is full of great suffering. I don't want that. But even if it is, as surely as Jesus rose from the dead, so too will I rise to be with Him. So too will you rise to be with Him at the end. On that day when we die, we will be most fully alive and there will be no more sin, no more pain, and no more death. The glory is sure to come. Again, be here next week. We'll find out how sure. Our Father loves us. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. Let us persevere to the end. Let's pray. Thank You, God, of all comfort. Thank You for Your grace and mercy. We do not deserve it. It's not even 11 o'clock, and many of us are very aware of our own sin this morning. But God, we confess together our trust in You, our trust in Christ. Lord Jesus, You are sufficient. Your life, Your death, We believe that You paid for our sins, each and every one of them. We believe that we've been adopted into the family of God through You. We believe that You have robed us with Your righteousness. Father, we believe that You see us in Christ, not according to our sin, that You love us, that we are heirs to Your family inheritance. Lord, we do not deserve it, but we gladly receive it. Thank You. We even thank You for the pain. We thank You for the trials because we see that in your hands you know how to make the perfect medicine for us. All of our trials are unique for us, as you care for us to ensure that we will get home. Give us grace, give us strength to trust you, Lord, to fight to the end. We pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.